Welcome to Prophecy Countdown with author and pastor Kenneth Baer. Join us every week for the latest updates on what the Bible has to say about the events, the characters, and prophetic signs of the return of Jesus Christ and His coming kingdom. Make sure you not only subscribe, but like your favorite episodes and share it with your friends. Now, on with the broadcast. Welcome. The title of my teaching today is The Days of Noah. Welcome to Prophecy Countdown. I'm Pastor Ken. We provide two updates each week, one on Sunday and then one on Wednesday. On Sunday, our messages premiere at 1 p.m. and on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. As our podcasts imply, our podcasts always have a prophecy thread. We love answering the questions, and if you have a question, please send us an email. The email is at prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. I'll repeat that. It's prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. I respond to all these emails personally myself, and actually that's how we get a lot of these topics, like the one today about the days of Noah. That's my message today. And the topic, what I'll be talking about, is the comparison that Jesus is making to his second coming and the days of Noah. Now let me read the passage first, and then we'll see if we can get to the primary comparison that Jesus is making. Uh, We'll be reading from Matthew chapter 24. This is part of what's known as the Olivet Discourse. It's actually a rather lengthy passage um, in in the Gospel of Matthew. It's chapters 24 and 25. And Jesus is answering questions about the end of the days, uh, the day of the Lord and his second coming. So we'll pick it up in verse 36. Jesus says, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect." Now, as I mentioned, this is a a longer passage from the Bible than I normally quote. Uh, However, in order to get the context, we needed to include all of those verses. Uh, While these verses are just a part of this longer passage, as I mentioned, the Olivet Discourse, Jesus, again, was answering specific questions about his coming, his return, and the end of the age. You know, after all, Jesus had told his disciples that he was going to leave, And he was going to go to his father's house. They wanted to know when he would be returning. And this is the response that Jesus is giving. Now, Jesus gives a a number of illustrations just prior to these verses about the end of the age, about the tribulation, about his second coming. In this passage, Jesus says that the coming of man will be, the son of man, will be as it was in the days of Noah. And that's what we read in verse 47. Now, before Jesus compares his coming to the days of Noah, he illustrates his coming with the parable of the, of the fig tree. 
By observing the growth of a fig tree, Jesus surmises that we can determine that summer is near. That's uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 32. Now, in the same way, by observing the signs, the things Jesus mentioned earlier in the chapter, one can recognize that his coming is near. And Jesus is telling us very clearly that there's going to be a generation that will be alive to see these things that happen. And not only that, this generation that begins to see these things happen will be the generation that will be alive when Jesus returns. So now that we understand the context, Jesus says that the coming of the Son of Man will be as the days of Noah were. He's making this comparison between his coming and the days of Noah. Now, do, notice that Jesus identifies himself as the Son of Man. I mentioned this before. Uh, this is a reference to the prophet Daniel's uh, reference of the coming king. He calls him the Son of Man. This is the Messiah, the one that will be given the eternal kingdom. You can read about it in uh, Dan Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, for example. Jesus is saying that when the king the Son of Man comes, it will be like the days of Noah. Notice says particularly about what he says about particularly about those days. He, he tells us specifically what he refers to about the days of Noah. It says that they were going about their lives, eating, drinking, and marrying until the flood came swiftly. That's verse 38. You see, the people in Noah's day were completely unaware. They were ignorant about the coming judgment of God. And in the coming, Jesus is telling us quite plainly, he's making this comparison, and he basically says that there's two things that are comparable to the time of Noah. Two things. So let me go through them one at a time. First, in the same way, in the same comparison to the days of Noah, when Christ returns to the earth as the Son of Man, he will bring judgment. And he's bringing judgment in order to bring restoration. You see, the worldwide flood was necessary. The Bible tells us this. God doesn't take any pleasure in the flood. The Bible tells us how the wickedness of man had caused God grief and sorrow. The earth was extended by God to be a nurturing environment for all of mankind. Yet mankind, us humans, had transformed it into a place that was dominated by conflict and calamity, and you can read this in, in Genesis, going back to chapter four, and also uh, chapter six, which begins talking about Noah. Uh, what were the people of Noah's day doing before the flood came? Well, here, Jesus tells us they were living their normal lives. They were going about their normal business and conducting their normal affairs. In essence, they were completely oblivious to the fact that the end was near. And Jesus says, this is how it will be when the Son of Man returns, especially for non-believers. They'll be going on with their normal activities, not realizing that the end is at hand. Now, again, re regarding the flood, the flood was not some kind of random act of destruction by a whimsical God. Instead, God was working. He was working through the flood to be able to purify his creation. Through the flood, God preserved a family, the family of Noah. And it's through Noah that ultimately Abraham was born. And it was through Abraham, all of Israel, and Israel gave birth to the Messiah. 
Now, regarding the day of the Lord, beginning with the rapture and then the revelation of the Antichrist, the seven years of tribulation, the seven seals, seven trumpets, uh, seven vials, uh, culminating, I'm just giving you a summary of the book of Revelation, uh, uh, culminating with uh, Armageddon, the second coming. The purpose of all of this, everything that we're told about, not only in Daniel, but in the book of Revelation, is again to renew and purify God's creation. Through the tribulation, the apostle Paul tells us that all of Israel will be saved. This is, and with his second coming, we his saints, the bride of Christ, Jesus returns for us and brings us to be with him, with the Father in heaven. And then when Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation, we come with him. All the saints come with him. All of us that have been resurrected and given these, these new bodies will reign with him and rule with him for a thousand years. That's the ultimate purpose of the second coming. So this is what we learn. The first lesson, the primary learning from this is that uh, Jesus has much to say about his return and it has to do with the, just like it was the flood, it's gonna be a purification of the earth. It's a time of judgment, but a time of restoration. Now I told you there were two things. The second thing we learn and it's obvious about the comparison with the time of Noah and the coming of the Son of Man, is that there's going to be a separation, a separation of, from the wicked from the righteous. Remember, verses 40 and 41 said this. It says, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Now, I know there is a debate, there's a debate regarding these two verses by scholars that I admire. And I admire these scholars much, much and I have, they have my greatest respect. And some say that these verses are referring to the second coming, when Jesus comes at the end of the tribulation. Um, and others, including myself, we teach that these two verses refer to the rapture of the church. That's described also in John 14 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the rapture that Jesus is speaking of. So we know for certainty, regardless of the debate, that these verses speak of a separation of the righteous and the wicked. And this is what happened with Noah and his family. And now I teach these, that these verses refer to the rapture because Jesus had already summarized his second coming. 10 verses earlier. In fact, if you haven't read it, it's a tremendous verse. Let me, let me read it for, for you, going back to verse 29. Jesus says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all of the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. So when is the second coming? Well, this is Jesus that's described it. It's actually seven years Seven years, sometimes given as two, three and a half year periods um, in the book of Revelation. In fact, the book of Revelation says another time that the three and a half years is equal to 42 months. In fact, it gives the number of days, 1260 days. Now, the reason I say this is that it would be completely inappropriate to say 
all of this specificity about the second coming of Jesus Christ, and then to say, you have to be ready because no one knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man comes. Well, no one knowing the day or the hour when the Son of Man comes refers to the rapture of the church. That's, that's the signless event that happens. Jesus can come at any time. And as a result, that's why we need to be alert. Now, we'll see the signs of the time. We'll be able, like the fig tree, when the fig tree begins to sprout, we know that summer is near. And the same way, we will know the time is right and that Jesus could appear at any time. You know, I referenced three signs last week that we should all know. Number one, Israel is in the land. That happened in 1948. After almost 1,900 years, Israel is back in the land. This has never happened before. It was prophesied by many of the Old Testament prophets, but now we've actually seen it with our eyes. That's a super sign. Number two is the earth is full of violence, and that's referenced a number of times in the Bible. The third sign, and I could have given a number, but I like this one, is that the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the world. And then Jesus says, and then the end will come. So notice the description of what Jesus says again, what happens in verse 40 and 41. These two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other one left, and then two women will be grinding, grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one will be left. Well, this is consistent. This vision, if you think about that, this is consistent with what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And not only that, but most likely you've seen the movies. You've seen the Left Behind series. And, and if, if you've, not only have you seen the movies, but you've probably been following a car. Maybe you have the bumper sticker yourself. In case of rapture, this vehicle will be unmanned. I mean, this is exactly the picture we have. It's a normal day, and next thing you know, that one person is taken and the other one is left. Where did he go? Where did he go? Right? Well, this is the rapture of the church. This is exactly what Jesus is, is speaking agree. Uh, speaking about. Now, I, I certainly agree that what we're told here is there's going to be a separation. And that separation will happen also when Jesus not only returns for the church, but also when Jesus uh, returns his, in his second coming. Jesus doesn't elaborate exactly who is taken, hence the discussion. Uh, but I can tell you with all of the authority that I have standing on the word of God, that the Bible tells us that there will be a generation that will see these signs, will not be caught unaware, will be looking for his coming, and then suddenly, remember what it said, what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, he says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are alive and are left will be caught up together to be in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. This is a description of the rapture of the church. It, it's, it happens before the tribulation. You know, my friends, all of God's plans, all of these prophecies that we've been given will all come to pass. Jesus tells us these things because we are his disciples. And we have a, a trust Jesus has given us a trust, and that trust says that we need to be faithful to the revelation that 
God has given us. To those he's given more, more is expected. If God has given you a revelation that this is the time of the end, it's incumbent upon us to be able to share that information with others. All of us should have some sense of urgency. All of us should be striving to make the very most of our time that he's given us, especially when we see these things happening. My friends, Jesus is coming. The Bible makes it very clear that we'll see the signs and the signs are upon us that the Lord's return is imminent. It could happen at any moment. And it's time for everyone to get ready. Let's pray. So Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to share the gospel, to be able to share the good news, to be able to share the signs that we see with the people that are listening in our viewing audience. We pray, Lord, for what's going on in Israel, this war between Hamas and Israel. We know it's much more than that. There's a, there's a plot afoot, basically, to be able to eradicate all of the plans that you have for Israel. So we pray for a peace of... Nearly every day, it's common to see, read, or hear something about the end of the world, the apocalypse, or end times. Author and pastor Kenneth Bear's The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom zooms in and breaks down biblical prophecy as it relates to Jesus' imminent return and the coming seven-year period, including the Great Tribulation. Available in both paperback and Kindle versions. Get your copy on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble and select Christian bookstores. The title again is The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom. You can also find it listed by author Kenneth Bear. Get your copy today. Thank you for joining us on Prophecy Countdown with Pastor Ken Bear. Don't leave without first sharing the latest episode with your friends. Be sure to join us again for the latest updates on Prophecy Countdown.